Indiana University cyclists are gearing up for the women's and men's Little 500 bike races taking place today and tomorrow. A week of celebrations has led up to the races, resulting in an influx of students and alumni downtown. I'm Indiana News Desk anchor Joe Wren, and today on Noon Edition, we'll discuss the impact of the Little 500 on Bloomington. We'll speak with the assistant director of Little 500 Races, the director of the Bloomington Independent Restaurant Association, and the Bloomington Chief of Police. And we invite you to join the conversation after this hour's news. Production support comes from Smithville Communications, serving southern Indiana with fiber gigabit internet and digital IPTV. More information at smithville.net. And from School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. publichealth.indiana.edu. Hello and welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Indiana News Desk anchor Joe Wren. In today for Bob Zaltzberg, I'm here with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we are talking about Bloomington's Little 500 Bicycle Race. The women's event uh, race will take place this afternoon and the men will race tomorrow. Although it's a collegiate event, the race has an impact on all of Bloomington. Today on Noon Edition, we're joined in studio by Police Chief Mike Dekoff and the Executive Director of the Bloomington Independent Restaurant Association, Steve Swihart. Assistant Director of Little 500 Races, Jordan Bailey, is joining us by phone. Thank you very much all for joining us today. And if you're listening and you would like to join the conversation today, give us a call, 812-855-0811 or toll-free 877 285-9348. You can also join our live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. And you can even tweet us at Noon Edition. And I thought we would just start off with maybe a quick update from Jordan, who's on the phone. Busy day for you, Jordan. What's the latest on the Little 500 races this weekend? Indeed, we are uh, ready to go for a sunny, sunny race. Uh, start time at 4 o'clock today for the women. Um, it has been a busy month leading up to the race weekend today, uh, so now we're just kind of trying to tighten up some loose ends and uh, get ready for green flag racing. One weather has so much to do with this, and I guess you really lucked out because there was a 80% chance of rain, and so far, so good, huh? So far, so good. That is uh, the luck of having a, an outdoor event in the state of <laughs> Indiana in the month of April. So uh, lucky for us, we are, weather is always a... Uh, a little bit of a contention. Uh, tomorrow's not not shaping up to be great, but we're uh, optimistic here here at Bill Armstrong Stadium. Right, right before the show, you said you had a, a recent weather update. You think you're going to be able to mud that race in tomorrow? Yeah, our uh, folks um, over at the university have been getting reports from the National Weather Service, and the latest report that just came about 30 minutes ago uh, indicated that we'll have thunderstorms in the a.m. tomorrow, and then the precipitation is supposed to dry up around noon, and there's a, an open window from about noon until 5. 
and then we're supposed to get some pretty pretty heavy nasty stuff tomorrow evening. Um, so we will run the race in rain, uh, but thunder and lightning obviously then becomes a little bit of an issue for us, uh, for the safety of the riders and our spectators. Right. So do you want to give us a quick rundown of, of how the day's events are going to unfold uh, starting this this afternoon with the, the, the women's race at four, right? Yep, that's exactly right. Um, so actually, the... It starts a little bit earlier, so about four weeks ago we had a qualifying event in which we had 41 men's teams attempt to qualify and uh, 33 women's teams attempted. So from that, they just like up at Indianapolis, they do a four-lap time trial out on the track by themselves. Uh, each of the four riders does one lap. Uh, then we take the fastest 33 teams, and those are the ones that make the race this weekend. The, uh, based off of their qualifying time, that's where they're slotted in the starting grid. Uh, so for today, the women, they will uh, start at 4 o'clock. We have, uh, it's very cool how much of the pageantry really is modeled from the Speedway. Um, I grew up in Indiana. I'm a native Hoosier. And just my family, we would always go to the 500 every May. Uh, and then I remember coming down to Bloomington for the first time as a senior in high school and watching the race. I had an interest in cycling and just seeing seeing the pageantry and the parade cars and all the colors of Bill Armstrong Stadium on race day. There's really nothing else like it. Uh, and I remember that in, as a senior in high school, I saw it for the first time and said, when I get to IU as a student, I'm definitely going to do this. Very cool. So, okay, so the, the women's race today at 4, and then tell us how what the rundown of events for tomorrow is. Um, so tomorrow morning we have uh, an alumni race scheduled for uh, 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, um, and then following that, we will have our alumni barbecue. So right now, we've got about 50 alumni spanning all through the decade, so although we have even uh, participants from the first 1951 race, uh, so, you know, those guys are up in their 80s willing to dust off their helmets to come out and get a chance to, to re-ride on the track, uh, relive the glory days a little bit. The alumni barbecue is expecting about five or six hundred guests at that, and that'll be here on site in our parking lot. Uh, and then the men's race will be scheduled for two o'clock. Uh, something I forgot to forgot to mention that is happening tonight is our screening of the one day in April documentary about Little Five Hundred, and that'll be over at the Buzzkirk Chumley Theater this evening at eight p.m. Yeah, that's very exciting. That's the premiere of that, isn't it? So, uh, Premier, it depends on how loosely you want to use the term. They uh, actually had their official, official premiere at a film festival out in California uh, about two months ago, back in February. Um, they got great press from it, got a lot of good, solid reaction from the, the folks that saw it out there. Um, so it will be a Bloomington premiere, um, but obviously the, the people that are going to be attending tonight's screening are all, are all race fans and all familiar with Little 500, so they're, they're really excited to, to show it to the people that care about the film the most. I think. Are there still tickets available for that, Jordan, as far as you know? Um, unfortunately, they sold out as of yesterday, so I think that that ticket was a, a hotter ticket than Little 500, to tell you the truth. Wow, okay, very cool. We have police, uh, Chief Decoff here. Any traffic patterns or anything we need to worry about? It's not so much like a football game, is it? No, there's there's a lot of foot traffic that um, goes to the race. There's uh, the parking lots around um, Assembly Hall that they use to park cars, and the university police will, will handle all of the traffic for that. When you wake up tomorrow morning, what are you going to be worrying about? Uh, you know, it, it's 
it's always safety issues for us. You know, we want to make sure people have a good time, but we want to make sure that they, they do it safely. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of alcohol that's consumed, and, and when you mix um, young people and alcohol, sometimes the results aren't, aren't good. So we're out there to make sure that people have fun, but that they do it safely. Mm-hmm. And we, we spoke earlier, you do coordinate with IU Health Bloomington Hospital. We coordinate with a lot of people. We coordinate with the, with the emergency room. We coordinate with the um, justice system in Monroe County, the other law enforcement agencies. Um, so that everybody's kind of on the same page and they know, um, you know, what to expect and things like that. We, we have uh, meetings leading up to the, to the weekend. Um, you know, we had a final staff meeting with, with our agency just yesterday. So usually everybody is, is on the same page and prepared and ready to go. Mm-hmm. When does everything kind of start? I, it's been going on all week, hasn't it? It has, yes. Yeah. There, there have been events that have been um, occurring this week. Uh, we don't get as as involved with those as the university police do because a lot of those, like the, the concert earlier this week was on campus, so the university um, police deal with that. Um, we, I know it was busy last night. I was out to about 2 a.m. Um, the, the bars were, were hopping. There were a lot of people <laughs> out. Um, so I know the emergency room was pretty busy last night. I know that uh, the booking desk at the jail was busy last <laughs> night. Um, so uh, I, I expect tonight will probably be busy um, with the anticipated weather for tomorrow. Um, the rain and especially thunderstorms will put a, a huge damper on outside partying. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, the bars will probably be busy, but you know you probably won't see the lines because people just don't like to stand in the rain. Really hard so. on your hair. Really <laughs> hard on your hair. How, yeah. How, is there a strategy or a, how do you go about uh, an, an event like this when there's just so much going on? Is, is, are you just going by 911 calls or do you have well, a plan of attack? We have, we've got the city broken down into districts and we are, our past history have, have kind of told us where to expect problem areas. So we have, um, we've got um, squads that we put together that if we have a problem in a certain neighborhood, then we can have a squad go and deal with that. So, um, but we have plans in place where um, we we watch particular areas of the city where we have, you know, just experience tells us that that's, that's a problem area. Um, so we, we stay on top of that. Um, you know, an example is like the 18th and 19th and Lincoln area. That, that tent, that's a lot of rental property for students up in that area. Um, Parking becomes a concern because they park on both sides and you can't get emergency vehicles through. So we spend a lot of time up there um, towing cars to make sure that the roads don't get don't get blocked so that emergency vehicles get through. Um, we know downtown around the bars are busy, so we have foot patrols out in that area. Um, but then we still have to maintain patrols for the rest of the city. You know, the west side doesn't usually see, you know, much of an impact from from Little Five traffic. So, but we're still out there having to provide those police services also. So we've got a lot of experience. This is my 28th year of doing this. Um, granted, it's it's a lot calmer now than it was in the late 80s and early 90s, um, but it's still, it, it taxes everyone's resources. How, how many are out on a given um, night? I mean, compared to, a, I guess, a normal night. Right. We have probably three or four times the number of officers that work. IU, um, they, they beef up their patrols. Um, state police bring in extra troopers that, that help patrol. Um, there are probably more excise police officers in Bloomington yeah. 
um, this week than there is any other time of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, DNR even um, beefs up their patrols because a lot of more in more recent years people have rented boats and gone out on the lake. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, if the weather's bad tomorrow, that won't be happening. But so they they even prepare for you know an additional influx of of people. So. Steve, let's talk about the impact this is going to have on the local restaurants. You guys have got to be have had to have been ramping up for this for some time as well. They've been ramping up for a long time. (laughs) This uh, the little five weekend and the uh, two weeks from now graduation weekend Mm -hmm. are probably the two busiest weekends for restaurants and bars in town. Um, We get Bloomington receives 1.8 million visitors a year, which on a calendar. basis is 5,000 people a day. Wow. Hmm. And I swear half of them come in this week. Yeah. <laughs> <don't take> this <laughs> um, and all of the restaurants that accept reservations are full and have been for some time for this weekend and, ne- and uh, graduation weekend. And it's prom. And it's prom. For at least one of the high oh schools. I think. Yeah. Both oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 When it rains, it pours. <laughs> You, you shouldn't put it that way. No, I said, yeah, that was, yeah, poor taste. Yeah. So um, again, I guess uh, everybody's fully staffed and very staffed um, and ready to be incredibly busy. What's the economic impact on uh, for the local um, restaurants? Is this something that they say? You know, is it, is it like Black uh, Friday for restaurants? It is. This um, this has been oh two or three three years ago. Um, two of our members on the Friday of Little Five Weekend, which would be today, uh-huh. grossed over $100,000 wow. in 24 oh hours. Wow. That is, you know, mm-hmm. that's pretty good for small business. So that's how that's a dollar figure in how busy it is. That's amazing. Wow. If you're listening and would like to join the conversation, please give us a call, 812-855-0811. Toll free one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. This is, I believe, too. Is, is this the first year have we come around for the parking meters for Little Five? That that probably isn't not much of an issue. I think it's second. Is is, is it the second? Yeah, it's the second. I remember. Is it it's second now? It's Has it been two years already? Yeah. <laughs> um, biggest uh, disruptions. I, I I guess we talked about that already in town. You gave us some problem areas, but in terms of just the Bloomington residents, is this a time that they pretty much say stay home or, or do you see them coming out as well? I, a lot of my friends tend to leave town. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know, it's it, it, downtown and, and, and around the campus area. Uh, traffic is a, it's a lot heavier. Um, parking is always an issue. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of alumni come back. A lot of uh, friends of, of students come into town, mm-hmm. um, and that that's one thing for for people listening is if you have friends coming into town, l- please like write down your address or phone number and stick it in their pocket. So if they mm. get intoxicated <laughs> and get lost, then we have some place to you know either call somebody or. You know, a lot of times magic marker on the arm alert. That's, that's not bad they either. Can't lose that. Um, you know, a now lot of they times they need to download the Find My Friends app. Yeah. Oh, there you go. But the problem that is way, that way they can if, always be found. If they well, lose the, their phone, though, that's the problem. They lose their phones. <laughs> that's a fair point. And so, um, you know, a lot of times we're so busy. If they're not, if they're not in, extremely intoxicated, we'll we'll try to put them in a cab, and we we get priority cab service. If we call the cab company, they'll they'll come to us first before anybody else. Do you have so, to give them money? The cabs? 
Oh, yeah. yeah they have, I mean, they have to pay the cab. But see, that's the other thing. Make sure they know where they're going <laughs> and they have at least 20 bucks that they can pay the cab so that they can get home. Yeah. Because usually arrest is a last resort. If we can't find a friend, they don't have money for a cab, they have no idea where they're at, then we don't really have a choice but to arrest somebody. So we tend to try to put people in cabs to get them home or call friends. Um, but a lot of people, they, they just don't know where they're at. They come to Bloomington. It's the first time they've been here. They've lost their friends. They have no idea where they are. These things happen. Yes, they do. <laughs> All the time. So, okay. So, let's say you're a Bloomington resident and um, there's a party still rocking at 2 a.m. What recourse do you have? If, yeah. If you call the police department, we will have officers go out and address the problem. Um, sometimes it's... it's uh, you know, maybe just a couple people with the with the stereo loud, and they just didn't realize it was that loud, and they'll shut it off. Sometimes it's a party of 100 or 200 people. Um, so depending upon what happens when the officers get there, um, you know, kind of dictates to the decision that they make. Um, we, we probably won't have a lot of patience this weekend for big parties because we don't want to come back. And that's, that's uh. what we try to avoid is to address the problem so that the people who live around there can go to sleep um, and so that we don't get a repeat call. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because you don't have the manpower to go be going back and forth. Right. A, yeah, a bunch of times. And and we will probably get you know maybe a hundred at least a hundred party calls this weekend alone. What about crime? As far as uh, you know, things being stolen or vandalized, vandalism, that sort of thing. Well, that's that's the other thing. People who have um, house parties, you know, parties in their apartments, whatever. Um, you know, they may have only invited. 10 or 15 people, but inevitably, you know, 30 or 40 might show up and they don't know everyone. So you've got all these strangers walking around your house and you can't keep track of everybody. And usually what happens the next morning, they're like, oh my gosh, my stereo's gone or my, um, you know, my wallet, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they call us and we're like, well, you know, who was in your house? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Right. So it's, there are a whole bunch of people here. It, there's nothing wrong with having some friends over if you want to have a party, but just make sure you know who people are, and because they're going to be wandering around your house, you can't keep mm -hmm. track of everyone. And so, and usually, what happens is somebody steals something. So, um, you know, take those precautions. Uh, the the best advice is don't have a big party because. Mm -hmm. The bigger it is, the more attention it's going to draw, and we're going to show up. Mm -hmm. um, and if it's if it's a, an extremely obnoxious party, there's lots of things that we can do. I mean, we can check everybody's ID as they leave. Anybody under 21 can get arrested. Well, if you're over 21 and you're hosting that party, you can get an additional charge. So it's just it, it. This is people like to come and party Little Five Weekend, but there's other weekends that where there's not as there's not as many things going on um, so and just, less scrutiny exactly so just you know we encourage people to be responsible you know be considerate of your neighbors um, you know don't don't be blasting the music at three in the morning or even midnight I mean I go to bed what early, is the so. what's the what are, what are the there, rules there really isn't much of a cutoff I mean um, we, we, we kind of be a little bit more lenient when it's earlier but when it starts getting later um, you know, by definition, if the if the noise leaves the confines of your property, it it can be considered disorderly conduct. And so, um, you know, the 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 bigger the party, there's going to be more noise. If you have you know a handful of friends sitting around, you know, and you, you you don't have to play the music so loud, so it doesn't it doesn't disturb everybody else. So, you know, we just we ask people to be considerate of your neighbors because. They may be not wanting to party, and they don't want to listen to your music, so they're going to call us, and then we're going to show up in force because we've got lots of people working, 
and we're going to deal with the problem. Right. So you mentioned you've got IU police, you've got the city of Bloomington police. There would be sheriffs uh, would also still have jurisdiction yes. here. Yes. Um, excise police are in the area. Did I say them already? No. Mm-mm. No. Okay. Excise no. police. Who, who am State I? State police. State police. Good grief. Yeah. So there's, yeah, there's lots of law yeah. enforcement agencies um, that are going to be in town this weekend. <laughs> Here are these numbers again. Uh, if you're listening, please uh, join the conversation. 812-855-0811. Toll free 1-877-285-9348. And of course, we're online. We have live chat at our website, uh, WFIU.org. You could tweet us at Noon Edition. Uh, Jordan, I was listening to some of the on-air uh, commercials just driving around town and noticed some of the marketing seemed to try to define the event as more than just a party weekend. Is that something that uh, that is taking into effect when you're marketing the event? Absolutely. And I think uh, I think Steve's put it best that, you know, looking back at the 80s and 90s, that's really when some of this, this party imagery of Little Five Hundred really peaked. And it's been on quite the decline since then. I think if you compare some of those statistics of, of this year versus uh, 30 years ago, um, it is it is definitely a lot different, a lot safer uh, than what it used to be. And I think I think that in house uh, as an organization, we have done a, a really successful job of refocusing our efforts to, to really educate people, uh, both students in the community, uh, about the what the, the true meaning behind Little Five Hundred is, and that is to, to raise scholarship dollars for students on the Bloomington campus. So all of our gate receipts today and tomorrow. Um, go towards uh, a scholarship fund. Um, to date, we've given over a million and a half dollars away uh, because of Little 500, and over 4,000 uh, students have been recipients of, of those scholarships. Jordan, how, how do you do that besides just marketing ads on radio? How does that get down to all the, the students, the fraternities, sororities, dorms? Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is about educating uh, all the people that, that the Student Foundation can touch. Um, and that, and just looking at the Little 500 from a macro view, we we have a really big reach on campus. The Student Foundation is one of the, the biggest uh, student organizations on campus. We have a uh, membership of between three hundred and 400 students, uh, all, all grades, uh, freshmen through senior. That group is led by our 27-member steering committee, which is a group of all senior students on, uh, the, within the organization. Uh, in addition, we have over 500 riders that register and participate uh, to represent different organizations, uh, be, they Greek, be they Greek teams, uh, independent teams, or the resident halls. And then finally, as I mentioned before, just the, the reach in terms of scholarships that we're able to, to provide for, for students. It really comes full circle. Uh, and on a campus of 40,000 students, when you're, when you're touching that many areas, it, it really does have quite the effect. How long does it take to, this is probably a, what, a year-round event to plan? Like, how much goes into putting this on? It certainly is. We uh, here at the Student Foundation have a, a full-time staff of three, uh, three individuals that, that work. Uh, our parent organization is the Indiana University Foundation. Um, as, as I mentioned before, our volunteer membership is three to four hundred. Um, so our the, the staff members' jobs obviously is to, to make sure that there are things uh, every month of the year that are that you kind of have to check off the list um, and just putting 
putting all of those plans into action and getting all those small details taken care of so that by the time uh, we get to race week, uh, we are able to set everything up and then that that way today, hopefully everything we don't have to be running around like crazy, and I get to spend a nice hour on uh, on the radio with you guys. <laughs> That's great. We're we're glad you're doing it too. Thank you for being with us. I know you're so busy. So okay, so the uh, IU Student Foundation is really responsible for the the planning and execution of the event. And then, what's your relationship with the Indiana University Alumni Association? Um, so technically, the Alumni Association is a separate uh, entity. So our parent organization is the Indiana University Foundation. So the foundation is the fundraising arm of the university. Um, so they not only go out and, and fundraise with alumni and, and ask for donations to the university, but then they manage all of that, uh, all of that income as well uh, to, to manage the endowment. Um, the Student Foundation is a department within the, the larger IU Foundation, um, so that is uh, who we report to. Um, and it's kind of weird; it's a little bit. It's actually a separate uh, nonprofit from the university. Uh, so the IU Alumni Association itself is is a part of uh, Indiana University. Okay, thanks for explaining that. You're listening to Noon Edition on WFIU. We still would like to hear your questions and comments for our guests. Give us a call, 812-855-0811, or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also send us a tweet at Noon Edition or join our live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back here on WFIU. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. And IU School of Public Health Bloomington. Online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiu.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIU.org news. And on today's noon edition, our guests are discussing the Little 500's impact on Bloomington. To share your comments or questions, log into the live chat at WFIU.org slash noon edition or tweet us at noon edition. You can also call us at 812-855-0811 or toll free at 1-877-285-9348. Our guest is the police chief for the city of Bloomington, Mike Decoff. Steve Swihart is here. He's the executive director of the Bloomington Independent Restaurant Association, and Jordan Bailey is the assistant director of Little 500 Races. Jordan, would you be uh, willing to give us a little bit of the history and evolution of the Little 500? Uh, you mentioned that it began back in the 50s, and um, I know it's changed locations. Um, can you give us a little history lesson? 
Absolutely. The Little 500 um, was sort of the brainchild of a man by the name of Howdy Wilcox. Uh, he, in the uh, early 1950s, was the executive director of the IE Foundation. Um, his father, uh, interestingly, had won the Indianapolis 500 in 1919, uh, so he had a lot of familiar- familiarity with uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and how everything worked up there. Um, so in, ni- in the fall of 1950, Herman Wells, president of IU, had charged him with educating the student body about the importance of philanthropy because, after all, Howdy was now charged with leading the foundation, the fundraising arm of the university. So the two of those gentlemen felt that if you can educate and um, stress the importance of philanthropy while they're here and give them a positive and good that will, in turn, leave them forever connected to IU as they go on and become alumni uh, for the rest of their lives. So he created the Student Foundation, um, and they were floating around a little bit in the fall and didn't quite know what to do, and he just got the idea um, to do this bicycle race, um, and they would model it after the Indianapolis 500, have all the same rules. Uh, We have all, as I mentioned before, a lot of pageantry and all of that stuff is very, very similar to what they do up in Indy. Uh, the only differences really are that instead of one driver, one car, they've got four riders per team. Uh, they're allotted two bikes to use. Uh, they ride 200 laps like they do up in Indy, but the difference is that instead of riding around a two and a half mile paved track, they're actually on a two or they're actually on a quarter mile cinder track. Um, so cinder is. Uh, kind of like a, a very fine dirt or gravel, uh, so it's, it's pretty loose. Um, and so really the reason they did that is because that's what the running track used to be back in the 50s. Uh, so they held it at the 10th Street Stadium, which used to be over at the Arboretum uh, at 10th and T. And then about 30 years later, that stadium uh, was torn down and they relocated to our current stadium up at Bill Armstrong Stadium um, off of Sea Lane and 17th Street. All the geezers in the room are shaking their heads. Yeah, yeah, we remember. We remember. That's right. Back in the day, we remember. Okay. <laughs> and, of course, obviously, uh, the also the uh, site for the film Breaking Away. Absolutely. Right. Now, I know a parade is always part of the festivities. Do you have a Grand Marshal? This year, our Grand Marshal is uh, Michael Uslin, who is the, he's an IU alum. Uh, and the executive producer of all the Batman films. Uh, so think back to the Michael Keaton days all the way through Christopher Nolan's revamp of uh, with the Dark Knight and so forth. All right, very Interesting. cool. Uh, Jordan, when, when did it really get big on a more national? What, was it the movie Breaking Away, or was it like that before, and the movie kind of um, was based off of that? Chicken or egg? Yeah, right, right. Um, yeah. I do think that uh, we, uh, you know, the Student Foundation used to draw a lot of really big name acts um, as part of the weekend, as part of this uh, this experience for IU students. Um, but I do agree with you that really it wasn't until um, it was kind of a localized Indiana gem, and then it really was breaking away that put it on a national scale where. Because of Breaking Away, they ended up actually winning the the Oscar for Best Screenplay in 1979. Um, so then it really just uh, evolved into this big deal. Um, it, again, just a fun anecdote, I was out in California 
um, last summer, just the most random of places as far away from Bloomington as you can get in the country, and walking down the street, and I'm past this person, and they're wearing a little 500 t-shirt, so it is, <laughs> it is really all over the place. Oh, that's great. Um, and we're lucky enough, actually, about mm. 10 years, or more than 10 years ago, back in 2003, um, IU alum Mark Cuban, his broadcast network, Access TV, uh, had approached the university and asked if we'd be interested in having it uh, televised nationally. Um, so they've been doing that for us since 2003 and do a terrific job so that all of our, all of our constituents um, that have, have that cable subscription, they're able to, to watch, the, watch both races live um, today and tomorrow. Who's your nation? Indeed. You're thinking about all the people that it brings into town. Steve, uh, the executive director of the Bloomington Independent Restaurant Association. I, I was thinking about not only just the restaurants, but the demand for food in terms of caterers. I mean, there are lots of events, I assume, going Absolutely. on, too. So now you have not only your the restaurants, but caterers providing, what, many meals and banquets? and Exactly. Off-site uh, catering is big this weekend, very big, as the graduation weekend yeah. as well. I'd like to know, I think uh, this, maybe you can start this next year. I'd like to track the number of pounds of pizza dough <laughs> that, is, <laughs> that is consumed this weekend. It must be remarkable. It's incredible. incredible. You know, it, it really must be interesting, too, about all the alumni coming in and wanting to be with their favorite restaurants. It's nice the Village Jelly's back open again after their fire. Exactly. But many others, I assume, as well. Well, the, the, of course, the bars are are mostly students, um, of course, some alumni, some of the younger alumni, but the older alumni, that this is similar to a reunion for many. It's mm -hmm. an event, a mm -hmm. reunion. And they, of course, they have memories, but if you go to a brick and mortar establishment, that really is a catalyst for more memories. You, that's where your memories were formed. And so the, it's my opinion that most of the uh, the restaurant business is the alumni. And I assume a lot of the writers come back and see mm -hmm. each other again and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, the restaurant didn't change. The brick and mortar yeah. didn't change. Yeah. 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 I can only imagine the line outside Nick's tonight. <laughs> it's going to be a lot. Yeah. What, what about preparations for the restaurants? Do they offer specials or deals or anything like that? Or um, Generally not. Um, they don't need to. They don't. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yes, again, yeah. it's like graduation. It's demand, right? It's, the demand is mm -hmm. incredible just to get in the door. Yeah, yeah. So maybe this weekend, if you're local, not the one you want to go out for a, a nice meal. Might want to hold off at least till we get the crowds through. I'm leaving here and going to lock myself in <laughs> my house for the weekend. <laughs> well, Mike, you know, anybody who's driven downtown uh, on Walnut uh, Sunday morning has uh, witnessed the queue of shame out in front of the uh, Charlotte Zitlow Justice Center. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's going to happen there Sunday morning. Well, many years ago, um, because the, the number of arrests um, tended to increase this particular weekend. Um, the uh, the local justice system decided that they would start a Sunday court. Um, again, much like, you know, we still have to deal with all the other stuff um, that we deal with, the courts are the same way. So um, they used to, anybody that got arrested a little five weekend would go just, you know, through normal court on Monday and so a lot of kids would have needed to go back to wherever they came from. Right. And so that was that was part of the reason, but just the additional numbers, it was just too much for the for them to handle 
during the week. So they decided. What's an average? Just give us a, a ballpark. Uh, you know, you can you can usually assume that there will be several hundred arrests this weekend. Um, so a lot of those are are citations. They're not necessarily put in jail, but they're just a citation. So they still have to appear in court. So. To just handle it all at once, they years ago came up with the idea of Sunday court. And so um, everybody comes in at like 2 in the morning to start getting ready for everything. And there's a cutoff. If we arrest anybody, I think it's up until 4 a.m. Um, Sunday morning, everybody before that time will go to Sunday court. Anybody after that time goes through the normal court procedures. Um, so, And like you said, there's usually a couple hundred people standing out in front of the justice building and um, getting ready to go to court. So they, they tried to get it all done in one weekend. So if you get arrested, you go to court, and usually you're sentenced right away to road crew. And so then you go up and clean up the mess around the community that... Um, you helped make. Th- that's right. <laughs> and it's, it's, in terms of citations, how does that compare to, say, a homecoming football weekend or any other big big football weekend in the fall? Uh, football weekends are busy, but the number of arrests are not um, not as as high as Little Five. Granted, it's it's decreased the last several years, but there's still hundreds of arrests that are made. So we're talking arrests for things like public intoxication. Yes, I mean they range from anywhere from something minor like um, you know illegal possession. You know, if you're under 21 and you're you know in possession of alcohol. Legal consumptions, those are a lot. Public intoxications are a lot. We get quite a few drunk driving arrests, um, batteries, disorderly conducts, things like that. Wow. And that's true for anyone out of town. Doesn't matter. They stay and do the road crew. Well, they or- they try to, um, if, it's, if it's, you know, just the average Joe citizen and mm-hmm. it's a drunk driving, they may not go through. Um, the Sunday where they may wait and put them through court during the week, but um, it, they tr- they try to cater this to the students who are arrested with little five activities, because like you said, there's a lot of people that come from out of town, you know, they get arrested, and so instead of them coming back and forth to Bloomington, um, they try to do everything this weekend so that. Mm-hmm. So now, yeah. wrap it yeah. all up. If yeah, they, if sure. they, okay, so they get a citation, they get sentenced to road crew, they do road crew on Sunday, which yes. really is probably quite a punishment under the circumstances. Well, a lot of these people still have um, huge hangovers, and so <laughs> it's it's not real pleasant, you know. And especially, I don't know what the weather's going to be like on Sunday, but if you know, past years it's been hot and sunny, and you've got a hangover and you're picking up trash, so oh, it's man. like I was thinking of how stinky court would be. I was like, man, I hope you guys have fans in there moving air. I don't know. Anyway, so um, then, then do these kids end up with a, a permanent record or how does that, um, how's that handled? It's, it's, if, if it's a misdemeanor, it's it, yes, they do have a record, but um, a lot of them can go through the pretrial diversion program. And I think probably 90 some percent of the people arrested go through the pretrial diversion program where um, you pay a fine, do some public restitution like road crew, something like that. Um, and then if you stay out of trouble for a year, it's, it's off your record. We do have a Twitter question, uh, Chief. Will the and this was earlier this week. There was a sewage leak at the Justice Building. Is that going to affect anything this uh, this the, weekend? The Justice Building has been closed all week, but um, from what we're being told is that it will not disrupt um, operations for Sunday. They should have things up and running for Sunday. Okay. Thanks for that Twitter question. Don't forget, you can even call us at 812-855-0811 or toll free one eight seven seven two eight five. 9348. Of course, we have our 
Twitter, at Noon Edition, and our live chat on the website, WFIU.org. I was also thinking that anybody can kind of jump into this uh, to answer this about transportation, moving people around. You mentioned taxis earlier. I know there's now there's Uber and um, other forms of taxis, the, the bus system. Is there enough to move people around? There are. Um, of course, we the Bureau advocates don't drink and drive. Mm-hmm. Um, we have on our website, or not on our, sorry, uh, on our Facebook page, which is Bloomington Restaurants, um, Uber has offered to supply free rides up to $25 if you download the app off our website. So, wow. So that's, please take advantage of it. So that's on Facebook, Bloomington Restaurants. Correct. Okay. That's very nice. All right. Well, we're starting to get some calls in. Yes. We'll, we'll let them kind of start to filter in. Um, we talked about, boy. Well, I, I, if you don't mind, I'm going to yeah. go back to Steve. So what do you tell uh, the people who serve alcohol uh, in local establishments? What's the rule as far as, you know, when, when do you cut people off, especially on a weekend like this where? A, go ahead. A server is more than capable and does. Uh, they do cut people off when just by their impression of how the how the uh, customer is acting. Um, yes, there shouldn't be any problem with yeah. that at all. And so, uh, with the excise police in town, I think I would think there would be extra pressure on yes. uh, servers, on um, people at the door who are checking IDs. Exactly, exactly, because the restaurants still want to be fined. Obviously. Yeah, because excise they can go after. Um, the individual server or the, the establishment if they violate the alcoholic beverage laws. Right. So their their liquor license could be right. So they're not so. only they're not only checking you know individuals. They're checking establishments to make sure that they're following the procedures that are in place. Also. Right. There's a lot. Uh, yeah, a lot on the line. Because a server has to actually get a, a a license to serve alcohol. And so how do they? I, I saw recently. I was at Nick's and I saw the the guy at the door had a little booklet that. I think listed what driver's licenses from various states are supposed to look like. Yeah, there's a there's a guide that's published. I'm not sure by who, but it's it's got pictures of every license in the United States. So, um, you know, some some states have different looks to their licenses that you may not be familiar with. So, there's kind of a, a go-to book um, for driver's license as to what they look like. Um, fake IDs have gotten extremely good um, with with uh, you know the printing capabilities and, and design capabilities of computers. Mm-hmm. I'm used to. I mean, I'm, I can remember when I was in high school. You know, you would cut out pictures of people and cut your license and put it in that way. I have no idea what you're talking about, Mike. <laughs> None whatsoever. <laughs> um, but you know, nowadays it's not. It's it's not a laminated type of of idea. It's more like a credit card, and everything's printed on that card. So, um, it, there's some good fake IDs out there, but. You know, when you start checking into them, you know, we can run the information on it and, and find out more than um, like a door person or someone at a restaurant checking an ID. So, Do you get very many people who try to tell you they're someone they're not? All the time. Ah, that never gets old, does it? Just <laughs> so, never gets old. And the restaurants have a lot to lose uh, with their liquor license. If you serve, have a three-way license with liquor, beer, and wine, uh, the market price on those, I think... Are, between a quarter million and three hundred thousand, they're really expensive. Yeah, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you don't you don't want to jeopardize that. Yeah, we do have a phone call. Let's get to Brenda from Bloomington. Hi, Brenda. You are on Noon Edition. Go ahead. Hi, Brenda. Are you there? Hello. Hi, you're on Noon Edition. Go ahead. 
my question is whether the uh, apartment living has changed the level of participation uh, in especially the men's race. You notice that this year Dodd's house does not have a team participating, uh, and that's been a very strong and very traditional team. But in the present day, uh, students tend to move out of dorms after their freshman year, and therefore there might be less continuity to build a team. Uh, have you observed anything about that? Jordan? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you're, you're right, and I do, I, just from the, the makeup, if you take the 33 teams, um, at, the, at the end of the day, our, the majority of our participants are from the Greek community. So they probably make up maybe 18 of the 33 in the starting field tomorrow. Um, and then of the rest, probably it's a pretty even split between uh, those, those residence hall organizations that enter a team in addition to independent teams. So the independent teams can be made up of uh, students that are a part of a, another student organization. Uh, so a good example of that is last year for the first time, the Ski and Snowboard Club at IU out of the Rec Sports Department, they entered a, a women's team that actually did quite well. They started seventh and finished seventh last year, um, and they're actually one of the favorites for this afternoon. Um, but to, to go back to your Dobbs House question, um, it's unfortunate they actually just didn't even uh, they didn't even register register a team at the beginning of the year, so they did not attempt to qualify even. Um, but I think that what has happened is we've seen an increase in the number of independent teams that we have. Uh, so a good example of that would be the team like the Cutters, um, who they they formed after the the film Breaking Away came out. Uh, another team last year. Or our defending champions for the men, the Blackie Bulls, are a relatively new team um, where you've got teams that are specifically in existence uh, to, to participate and compete in the Little 500. Thank you very much. Thanks. Hey, uh, Brenda, I recognize your voice. What? Uh, and I know that you've lived in Bloomington for some time. What changes have you observed? Oh, we lost her. Sorry. All right, okay. we're going to go ahead and go to Stan then. Okay, Stan, are you there? Hi, Stan. You're on Noon Edition. Go ahead. Hi. I'm tuning in late, so forgive me if this has been covered, but I assume there are some expenses this weekend associated with uh, uh, law enforcement, for example, overtime costs and uh, clerical help, et cetera. And I wondered whether the justice system differentiates between kids in school and adults who have uh, the means to pay a fine. Okay. Great question, Stan. Um. No, there. I mean, if 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 it's a student, they're still assessed the fines. If it's a non-student, they're still assessed the fines. And um, you are correct. There are a lot of expenses that go into this weekend. Um, we will have um, a lot of our people work. Um, it's an overtime um, assignment, so they're they're making more than they normally would make. Um, so yes, it's it's an expensive weekend. We uh, how much does it cost your department, roughly? Um, you know, I wish I knew that right offhand. Um, I don't. Um, it, I'm sure it's going to be, you know, five, six, seven thousand um, dollars, probably easily a day in overtime. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then you have the additional cost of we have, you know, all of our vehicles out. So there's gas mm-hmm. expenses, and and so um, yeah, it adds up. Um, but it's just it's one of those things that you know it's it's. It's good for the community. It brings a lot of people to the community. A lot of the, the local businesses um, make make good money this weekend. So, um, you know, people come and stay in the in the hotels. So it's it's good for the community. 
We, okay, we, thank you. Thanks, thank you, Stan. Dan. We should probably discuss, we have just a few more minutes, to the Lifeline Law, which allows people to call 911 without fear of being legal consequences coming right. back on the caller. Can you maybe talk a little bit about sure. that? Sure. Well? You know, it's, it's, it's a law that's, that's um, you know, designed to save people's lives. Usually what happens is, um, you know, if people drink to, uh, in excess, you know, they pass out. Um, people are, are afraid that if they call for help, that then they'll get in trouble also. So the law protects those who call in to try to help someone who, who's in a, um, a life and death type situation. Even so, if they're underage. Yes. And so um, it's, it's not used a lot, which is unfortunate. Um, you know, um, we want to make sure people are safe and we want to make sure that um, if someone has had too much to drink, that they get the medical attention that they need. Um, t- you know, to, to potentially save their lives. So, um, you know, those of you listening, if you have friends that, that get in that condition, you know, don't stick them in the shower. Call an ambulance and call for, for help because they can get them to the hospital and start, start emergency treatment on them. Jordan, um, does the Student Foundation uh, do anything to educate folks who might be participating in the Little Five festivities as far as uh, safety and, and t- you know, taking care of each other? We've actually uh, partnered, in addition to the Bloomington Restaurant Association, uh, we've partnered with Uber, and so they've been on board. Uh, they were shuttling people to and from the concert on Tuesday night. Uh, in addition, we'll have a, a drop-off and pick-up point for today and tomorrow's races. Um, and really, the, the programming and messaging that's been going out for that, uh, a big piece of it is, is obviously just being safe and making right decisions um, because it's it's really easy for them to, to pick up a, pick up their phone and be able to find an Uber car and connect with them uh, really easily uh, versus uh, the alternative of drinking and driving uh, over the course of the week. And then the the second benefit is that uh, any Uber user within the the geo fence area of Bloomington, uh, they'll be prompted at the very beginning when they open up their app of whether or not they are interested in donating $5 to the Little 500 Scholarship Fund. Oh, okay, great. Thank you very much. While we're speaking of safety, um, Mike, do your officers now carry the, um, and I'm sorry, I don't know the name of the the drug, but you can give it to someone if they've... Narcan. Su- Narcan, thank we you. We do not have that yet. That is um, something that we're looking at. It's, it's uh, um, I think I saw something in the legislature where they're trying to make it easier for law enforcement agencies to have that. Um, is that something your officers will you hope to have, have available? We're going to look them? at it and see what the the legal ramifications and and things like that. Um, but it's it's fairly new. Um, I know some law enforcement agencies carry it and and have had success with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's we're we're looking into it. What does the uh, dark hand do? It counteracts the effects of um, heroin uh, on an overdose. Um, you know, when you overdose, you, too much of a drug builds up in your system, and, and Narcan somehow counter-affects um, that process. Great. Thanks. Okay. Hey, um, Jordan, we're running out of time, but I wanted to know, um, can you still get tickets to both races? And if you want to sh- want to go, um, is it family-friendly? What, what would you like people to know about this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, I really cringe when uh, all of the the Bloomington local diehards they uh, leave town over the weekend. Um, it really is a great, great event to come out and support and to watch if you've never been before. So bring um, those little Hoosiers inside. <laughs> Go ahead. So I said, so bring those little Hoosiers. 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Everything inside of the stadium, uh, we work with uh, the Bloomington Police Department and the IU Police Department and event services at the university. Um, everything inside the stadium is uh, very well patrolled, and you know the stuff the stuff associated with it is very much outside of of Bill Armstrong Stadium. So the race itself um, is a great great opportunity to come watch a, a really unique, cool event that benefits uh, student scholarships. So yes, tickets are still available. Um, they can buy them at the gate today. So for today, the women's race will start at 4, gates open at 3. Tomorrow, that is 2 o'clock, and gates open at 1. And how much are the tickets for uh, both the women's race and the men's race? Uh, so it's just one ticket that'll get you to both uh, races, so it's good for both days. Um, day of, tickets are $40 uh, for adults, and then it is a, a $10 ticket for under 12. Okay, great. All right, thank you very much. We have just like 10 seconds. Last words from either of you two? Be safe. Be safe. <laughs> exactly. Enjoy yourself. Be safe. Thank you very much for all of Thanks our for guests. Having time, guys. Thank you very much. And that's all the time we have today. I'm Joe Wren, in for Bob Zaltzberg, alongside Mary Catherine Carmichael. Our engineer is Mike Pascash, and our producers are Lacey Scarmata and Alexander McCall. Thank you for listening to Noon Edition on WFIU. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville Communications, serving southern Indiana with fiber gigabit internet and digital IPTV. More information at smithville.net. And from School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined. Addressing 21st Century Health Challenges with a Multidisciplinary Approach to Disease Prevention, Health Promotion, and Enhancing Quality of Life. publichealth.indiana.edu